In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is August 31st. If I sound a little bit goofy today, it's because I had my last wisdom tooth removed this morning. So I'm biting down on gauze on, out of one side of my mouth and talking out of the other. But some of you may say that I've been talking out of both sides of my mouth for a long time now. Uh, I'm joined today by Franco Panizo of SBI Soccer. We're going to preview Wednesday's game between Atlanta United and Inter-Miami. 7 p.m. FS1 on television, 92.9 FM in Atlanta and the South on your radio. Or you can follow my coverage and Franco's coverage on Twitter. Franco, where can people find you? Yes, yeah, so on Twitter, just like you said, uh, Doug, and as well as SBISoccer.com is where my daily writing uh, is. And I've also started a podcast myself that also has a YouTube channel that's called Miami Total Football, F-U-T-B-O-L, um, where I do things mostly in English, some, some in Spanish, just covering Inter-Miami on the, on the day-to-day uh, as much as possible during these coronavirus times. Make sure you're following Franco. There are a lot of former Atlanta United players on Inter-Miami. Um, mm-hmm. Inter-Miami is 1-6-0 in this season, uh, losing one to nothing at Nashville uh, last night in a game that it looked like statistically it dominated, but just could never find that goal, which is kind of the opposite of most of the season, in which they've scored enough but couldn't stop people from scoring that one goal. Yeah, so, I, I mean, the stats tell the story, but if, you know, if, you had, if anybody that watched the, really, the game – would probably not come away with, with the, the same impression that the stats can give you. Um, even though Diego Alonso, after the match, was very keen to point out the, the, the shot disparity that Inter-Miami had in relation to Nashville SC. But just over the course of the 90 minutes, Inter-Miami just didn't look like they did a week ago against Orlando City in that historic first win. The team just didn't have much didn't, didn't have much of an attacking bite didn't, or an attacking edge to their game. The team just can't build up and create quality chances. It doesn't have much creativity. Did it have a lot of shots? Sure, but a lot of them were off the mark. They finished with five shots on target, and mm. most of those were of the uh, – uh, they were saved in, 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 by, in the routine variety for, by, by Nashville SC goalkeeper Joe Willis. It wasn't like he had to make an incredible stop. If you watch the highlights, there was no real incredible stop that Joe Willis had to, had to make to preserve that shutout for Nashville SC. It's just Inter-Miami's – maybe, you know, got into the final third and, and put pressure on Nashville, but just didn't have that final bit of quality or sharpness to create quality looks and obviously get that, that, that equalizing goal. Well, then this has the makings for about the most boring game in MLS history because Atlanta United is also having trouble creating quality chances. Uh, they scored a goal uh, against Orlando on Saturday by Brooks Lennon uh, near the end of the game. But really, other than that, other than a save uh, by Pedro Galis early in the game, he didn't have a whole lot to do uh, for the remainder of the game. 
uh, it was a very professional performance by Orlando City against Atlanta United, uh, which is just, it's really, really struggling. It's been struggling most of the season. A lot of people wanted to blame Frank DeBoer. I don't think he should be blamed entirely. I think a lot of the issues mm -hmm. are still going on for Atlanta United. Uh, lack of communication on defense and offense that just doesn't have a lot of speed going forward right now uh, with the starters chosen. Um, how do you see this game kind of going on Wednesday, Franco? No, so so uh, I, I guess the analysis I had a week ago can still apply before the, the last week's game was canceled here in Flame or postponed here in Fort Lauderdale. Um, because when I, I had seen Atlanta, I didn't, I didn't get to watch their most recent game, but when I saw Atlanta United uh, in, the, in their win against Nashville, I saw a team that likes, likes to have the ball and, and can, can keep possession but that also still has some, some struggles and some issues trying to, to break down uh, opposing teams, especially if they sit a little more deeper in, their, in, a, in a mid or deep block like Nashville did uh, against Atlanta. So I think Atlanta's going to have the ball. I think Miami knows that it, it's not doing a very good job in terms of keeping possession. So I think Atlanta will have the ball. Then it just comes to a matter of if they can execute or if they can get P.T. Martinez – to create some uh, some magic like he did against Nashville a couple weeks back, Miami the, the game plan will probably probably be similar to what it was against Nashville last night and against Orlando City a week ago. In that they'll concede possession and try to hit on the counter. Obviously, they did very or much more effectively against Orlando City, where they got three goals in that in that home opener, or that home opening victory. But they didn't do it uh, a great job of it last night against Nashville. So. It's, it's just unclear which Miami team we'll see, but I do fully expect that Atlanta will have the ball and will have plenty of opportunity to, to score goals or, and put the, put the game on their terms if, you know, if somebody can, can step up and, and, and be that difference maker that's kind of been hit and miss for, for Atlanta United these last, these last few, few weeks and months. Yeah, uh, you know, Atlanta United, it really, to be blunt, it doesn't have a lot of players that are going to beat you off the dribble. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe people don't seem to like Jake Mulraney, but he's really the only one that seems to even want to try to take someone on on the dribble to create a scoring chance. But the rest of the time, they, they're trying to do some nice little passing sequences. They did a couple against Orlando in their third and the middle third, but really didn't have anything going in the final third. Um, I'm going to be curious to see on Wednesday if uh, Eric Kubo-Torres starts at striker if Jurgen Dom starts as a, as a right wide player, because they need some speed. They need somebody to threaten. Mm -hmm. Teams don't even have to sit in a deep block against Atlanta United because they don't have any speed going forward. They can play as high a line as they want to and know that if someone does get by them, they're going to be likely going to be able to catch them um, right now. It's a weird, weird thing to watch. It's, you know, you look at the roster and you think there's quality here, but you try to find the right pieces to put on the field at the same time. It's just, it was a struggle for DeBoer. And Stephen Glass, it's too early to, to give a verdict on him because he's only been in charge for two games. Yeah, yeah. and I, th I think Miami's going through something similar where they're still trying to – obviously, this is their first season. They've only played seven games to this point. But I think that they're going through a similar process in terms of trying to figure out just what the best lineup is, what the best tactics are. I think Diego Alonso is still figuring things out about himself as well as the team. So both teams go into this game with plenty of question marks. Mm -hmm. I think I think again Atlanta United though will have the possession in this one, and I think if if they can get PT Martinez isolated or if they can get him involved and engaged early and often, then I think that stands 
or bodes well for their chances to, to win this one because I mean, yeah, like, like you said, that, you know, there aren't that many players right now on, on, in Atlanta that, that are difference makers that, or they can break open uh, a game necessarily on a consistent basis. PT's, PT's one. I know Barco's obviously probably another one, but he, he's dealing with his injury. Um, maybe Jurgen Dom can be one, but he's obviously still getting integrated into the group. So for Miami, it's, it, it, it's similar in that maybe Pizarro's the, the one guy that consistently can, can give you goals. Um, but overall, Miami also lacks lacks true difference makers, and I think I think that's why both teams have been struggling a little bit in in, in recent weeks and in recent months. But we'll see, we'll see. I, I think Atlanta United can can win this one if if Pete Martinez is, is engaged because he's probably going to be the best player or the most talented player on the field um, come come Wednesday. You keep mentioning Pete Martinez from an outsider's perspective. When you've seen Atlanta United highlights and watched their games, what have you seen from him? I've seen. I mean, uh, it's. It's obviously he hasn't lived up to the, the. The the billing that he had when he first arrived, but I think you can see in moments, especially when the team plays, a little more aggressive or attacking, a little more direct, that he can make difference. Like the game against Nashville, I, I watched that game from start to finish, and he he looked engaged. It wasn't just the two goals that that uh, that he was involved in. He also passed the ball well, uh, and, and looked, looked obviously, he maybe was a little bit motivated with Frank, Frank DeBoer not being there, but he looked more like his usual self that, we, that, we, that we've seen him throughout the years in, in South America with River Plate. Um, I know, again, with Atlanta United, it hasn't always been that. It's, it's kind of been lackluster at times. Hasn't, he hasn't necessarily physically been matched, matched up well with, with certain teams, but I think the talent is there, and I think he can give you that. Um, it's just a matter of, of finding the right system that works to him because you have, you have to play through him. He, and, and, and he has to be that guy that you, that you run the attack through for him to really succeed, uh, I think. But in, the, in that national game you, you, that, that Atlanta won, I think you saw, you saw bits and pieces of that, especially that, that first goal. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Nashville comes on a, on a quick attack, quick direct attack that, that leads to Dominic Baji almost in one-on-one with Brad Guzan. Guzan came out off his line really well and, and, and stops the ball or stops the shot before it gets it ever, ever gets taken with his foot. And in that moment, Atlanta played quickly and directly, and they found P.T. Martinez isolated one-on-one on the wing. I think it was Remedy that played uh, a long ball mm-hmm. to him on the flank, and then P.T. Martinez there had the confidence to, to do what he does or, or conjure up his magic that, that he's capable of and, and did things uh, on the dribble before slotting, slotting home. So I think he ha- obviously he has that in it it's in his game and he can do more of that. It's just a matter of finding, finding how to, to best utilize his, his attributes. Yeah. He, I think he's a quality footballer. It's just the Nashville game. He played really well. The Red Bulls game in Orlando, he played really well, but the consistency is just not there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you mentioned, playing the ball through him. Well, when Atlanta United does play the ball through him, he often attempts these highly difficult passes that just don't come off. Mm-hmm. And it just it's a turnover. I was looking at his passing statistics today on uh, fbref.com, and he's completing, like, I think it's less than 70% of his passes as a midfielder, and that's just not good. Um, yeah. So, anyway, we'll see what happens. Is Matuidi going to start on Wednesday? Is he going to be on the bench, do you know? So, 
I don't believe that he'll be in uniform for this one. He had not arrived as of last week, and even when he does arrive, he has to go through a 10 to 14-day mandatory quarantine period. So it's very unlikely that that you'll see him in this one. It's starting to look like he might not even factor in at all in phase one for this phase one of the resumption of of the MLS regular season. Um, Inter Miami had said that they – they expected him to get some minutes at some point during the stretch. But, I mean, if, if he doesn't arrive in the next few days, it's going to be pretty tough for him to, to make his debut over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I wasn't aware that he hadn't even arrived yet. That seems odd. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know how it is. And obviously, publicly, Inter-Miami has said that, that he's going through the visa application process, which, you know, fair game is, is, it, it is a complicated or at sometimes a complicated process where – it can happen either really quickly or it can right. ha- or it can be drawn out. But at the same time, he's also coming off a very long season mm-hmm. with the Aventus. So I wouldn't be surprised. It's not something I'm reporting. I'm just, you know, right. it's just a supposition on my part. I wouldn't be surprised if he negotiated in there, you know what, let me get two weeks of, of vacation before I, before I resume, you know, the season for the, the second half of this year. Let me, let me get some downtime with my family. Cause he definitely, there was, there was images and, and videos of him on his Instagram on a boat with family members and enjoying some good downtime uh, over the past week. But again, uh, you know, the official reasoning or the, the reasoning Inter Miami has given has been that he's, his visa application process is still being worked on. So until that's proved and he can, he can clear those, those hurdles, then he's still uh, TBD in terms of when he'll arrive. Maybe he's taking his boat from Italy to uh, Miami. <laughs> maybe that's what's taking so long. Maybe, maybe. That, that wouldn't be a, a, bad, a, a, bad, a bad trip for him. So, Rodolfo Pizarro, I, I would assume, has been Miami's best player this season, in your opinion. Yeah, I mean, it, it's between him and Nico Fegal, who an okay. Argentine defender who was signed at the beginning of the year, started playing center back, is, is more of a natural center back, but has been used out on the right uh, in recent games, he has he did play there a bit in Argentina. It's not a natural right back, but he is capable of playing there. Is good defensively and is capable of getting into the attack. I think that matchup that he'll have with Piti Martinez will go a long way to, towards determining what happens and who wins on on Wednesday. And then I saw uh, this morning that Inter Miami is finally tied, maybe concretely, to a number nine. Uh, and Higuain, uh, any truth to those rumors slash reports? So there were reports that came out over the weekend saying that they are in talks with with Higuain um, and advanced talks. I haven't heard anything officially um, or anything from the sources that indicate that it's that it's definitely happening or that there's tangible substance to that rumor. Because as you know, Inter Miami has been linked with almost any yeah. big name in in the game at this point. Um, call it the Beckham effect or the Beckham factor. Um, or, you know, good PR, um, but good agents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if Iguain does make the move or if that is, you know, if that is true, if there is truth to that, because he's like, he's in a similar situation to what Blaise Matuidi was in, right. He's at Juventus who is looking to change things up and, and rejuvenate their squad, looking to get rid of some older players with bigger contracts it's so what they did with my Tweety. They let him go on a free. Inter Miami didn't have to pay a transfer fee, was able to just, you know, give him, sal- give him a salary or agree to a number and bring him on board. And the same thing could happen theoretically with Higuain. He's surplus the requirements there. 
Juventus wants to get rid of him, so they could let him go on a free, and then Inter Miami then just has to come down to to paying him, you know, the numbers that he wants for for his for his salary and his contract doesn't have to pay a transfer fee. So I think it could happen. I think there might be some some truth to that because you know, Inter Miami's been looking for a number nine or, or looking for a DP star attacker for much of the year, and they haven't been able to get one. So Iguain helps check off some of those boxes, and he would do so with probably coming on a free, which is a big added boost for, for the club. Would he be a difference maker for Miami? I think he'll score goals. I don't know if he necessarily helps the function of the team in terms of how they want to play because they're a team that, that wants to be dynamic and run and um, take the game to the opponent. I don't know how much pressing you're going to get out of Iguain at this stage in his career, but that he'll score goals, I mean, I, I, I don't think you can doubt that. Uh, even at his age, and even if he has declined, I don't think you can you can say that he won't score goals in Major League Soccer, especially if he was just doing so in Serie A with uh, with the reigning champions Juventus. Yeah. All right. So again, tell everyone how they can find your your fantastic work. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm at, at Franco Panizo on Twitter. I write daily on SBI Soccer.com. I also do some podcasting and some video work now on on. On YouTube, uh, at Miami Total Football, F-U-T-B-O-L. It's mostly centered around Miami, but occasionally I, I do sprinkle in some Atlanta uh, and other team coverage as well. So uh, always something to look to look forward to. And it's been fun. It's been I'm trying to become like a triple threat here. So you know, it's, it's, the, new, it's the it's the new age. I used to I used to just want to write. Now I got it. Now I'm trying to do video and and audio. And it's like, yeah, man, I'm trying to do. I'm trying to you know diversify myself uh, a little bit. But um, it's been fun. It's been fun. Franco and I first met, I think it was in Orlando uh, yeah. in 2017 when Atlanta United yeah. went down there to play yeah. at, at Exploria Stadium. Uh, and we run into each other uh, quite a few times. Um, you know, all-star game in Orlando, any of the home games in Orlando. Uh, so it's good to, to see you again here on this Zoom call. And it's good to hear your voice again. And I'm glad that everything is working out well for you down there. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah. We saw each other a good bit up there in uh, at Red Bull Arena as well. When, uh, oh, yeah, that's true. I was, li- I was living in New York. Yeah. I was living in New York for a while, even though I'm a Floridian, uh, born and raised, and at heart, um, now back in South Florida. But um, yeah, it's it's been it's been a crazy how uh, you know how 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 the, few, how the years have passed so quickly. Doug is actually one of the nicest guys. You know, I know maybe you get some stick on Twitter, but <laughs> Doug is actually one of the nicest media members in the American soccer world and you could throw Canadian soccer world too because there's there's Canadian teams in MLS. Um I will I will say this really quickly before before, before you let me go. Um I wouldn't be surprised if, if you see a familiar face in the lineup on Wednesday. Breck Shea could be a, a candidate to start at left back for Inter Miami just because of his two recent performances off the bench for the team. He's looked he's looked good off the bench given some things going forward and that combined with the inconsistencies that Ben Sweat has had at left back could, could pave the way for, for Breck Shea to, to start. If he doesn't, you'll still probably see him off the bench. He, he got a lot of stick from Atlanta United supporters uh, when he started uh, last season for the team. I thought he did a fine job for the team. People still fail to remember he was not a fullback, not even a wingback until mm-hmm. I think Orlando, until yeah. he came back to MLS with Orlando. So he's got, he doesn't have a lot of games. He doesn't have a lot of hours yeah. at that position. Um, but I thought he did the job asked of him uh, with Atlanta United. I can understand on his salary why they didn't renew his contract. Um, but I, I think he, he's a, a, 
solid player for Major League Soccer and will do a solid job for, for Miami. Um, I don't know what people expected out of him, but anyway, that's my little rant about Brett Shea. Um, <laughs> as always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I hope that you'll consider subscribing to the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast on iTunes and Spreaker. Uh, again, Atlanta United is hosting Miami, 7 p.m. Wednesday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, FS1. Please uh, watch for it on, uh, on FS1, or you can follow our live Twitter coverage, which will be a little bit faster than FS1. Um, <laughs> and that's Southern Fried Soccer. Thank you. Y'all have a good day. Take care of yourself. Be safe. Be smart. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.